Today I have one of the most unusual guests I've ever interviewed, Detective Ed Gillespie from the Baltimore Police Department, who has incorporated poetry into policing. It's a fascinating episode. I know you'll enjoy it. This is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you to the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network, Readings and Felicitations. In this podcast series, I'm going to be visiting with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, historians, and a wide variety of other people on topics that are outside the area of compliance, but are of great interest to myself and to listeners to the Compliance Podcast Network. And now, Detective Ed Gillespie. Back for another episode, and you are in for a real treat today, uh, because I'm in for a real treat, and of course, that's how I judge how good the podcasts are. I have Detective Ed Gillespie from the Baltimore Police Department. Uh, Detective Gillespie is in Kerrville uh, giving uh, lectures and talks at Shriner University, and he graciously agreed to uh, sit down and visit with me. So, uh, Detective Gillespie, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. So could you tell us a little bit about your uh, academic and professional background before policing? Sure. Uh, I, uh, have a, oh, I have a uh, bachelor's degree in history from George Washington University in D.C. and a master of liberal arts from Johns Hopkins. So uh, I taught literature and English. I taught history um, in the middle school and high school level. I also wrote curriculum at a school reform model through Johns Hopkins University. So this was making supplemental information for schools that were uh, struggling. This is kind of part of the No, the no, no Child Left Behind program. Um, so that was my basis and my background before I went into law enforcement, my academics. And um, going into law enforcement, I, I, I segued right from academics to the police academy. What's uh, your specialty in history? I really like U.S. social history. Um, I found that really fascinating. Now, at the same time as I said that, I, I love military history as well. <laughs> I'm fascinated, actually fascinated by that. But I did a lot of work in U.S. social history. And actually, the, the two complement one another. So I was always fascinated by the changes that war and military service bring to, uh, to societies. The uh, listeners to this podcast know I just completed a, a series on 9-11 looking back some 20 years later, and one of the questions I asked each of the participant was, what did 9-11, how did your professional life change personally? And you had a, quite a dramatic change that I heard about today. Could you tell us about that? Sure. Um, I was working in the school reform model uh, that day. That was supposed to be my first day of graduate school, actually. And um, I just remember my office mate, her fiance called and said that a plane had struck the World Trade Center. And, um, you know, I thought that was odd, and I, I thought that seems very strange that a plane would hit the World Trade Center on a clear day with modern navigational technology. And so I looked at the BBC, because, all the, you know, when the second plane struck. And that, to me, was a point of debarkation, where <clears throat> it was a matter of my making decisions about how to go forward in a nation that was obviously at war, at a very different type of war. And I felt that I had something to offer for the protection of the people, protection of, you know, and I had a kind of a Pearl Harbor moment, <laughs> you could say. Uh, I understand a lot. I heard a lot of that in my podcast series. I was uh, 
also intrigued because you write poetry and you write it uh, as uh, a professional police officer. You've been a beat copy. You're now a detective. I was wondering how you use poetry to help deal with some of the traumas, events, people and places that you have experienced over the years as a police detective and as a beat cop. Yeah, it's really been useful. Part of, part of therapy, part of dealing with something is looking at it. Right? So taking it, looking at it, looking at it from different per, different pers- perspectives. Trying to put language to trauma, in many cases, trying to put language to it, to break it down, what word fits, what enjambment fits, what goes back to honor the thing that you're seeing and really put you in contact with what it meant, what it felt, what you saw. It's, it's cathartic, it's therapeutic, um, and so, Poetry has served me well in that. Uh, you said honor the thing you're seeing. Earlier in a talk, you said express the characters you met. You seem very concerned about exp- doing exactly that, expressing the characters, talking about some of the citizens and others that you have uh, met in your policing journey. Why is that so important to you? You often hear people talk about policing or even just talk about the other, um, their neighborhood, their ethnic group or whatever in the terms that they want to use. And I mean, it's imp- with you, when you're a police officer, you're given the opportunity to see people, often you see them at their worst, but there's a certain authenticity to it. And th- what they leave you with, what they do to you, what they see to you, what they've experienced is very real. And you may come out of it traumatized, you may come out of it for the better, but you have to look at it in very realistic terms. Say, you know, what did I I just see? Did I just see someone who did something because they were objectively evil or because they're ill or because they're struggling? You know, that type of thing. So it's it's important to me, just like I, I hear war veterans say, you know, don't portray the war in terms that aren't realistic or things that I wouldn't look at them and say, yeah, that's real, that's real. You know, you look at fiction about law enforcement. In many cases, I look at, you know, I don't watch much TV, but I mean, when I've seen it sometimes, I'm like, that wouldn't ever happen, or that character would have more to them than just that, you know. Um, Sort of like, uh, I think it's a lot like, there's a a war, there's a Vietnam veteran named Dale Dye, familiar with him, um, who, Back in the 1980s, he became really disgusted with the military movies that were coming out because they just weren't realistic about who soldiers were and what war was about. And so he said, I'm going to make, it be a, make a profession out of advising on these films because they have to honor what really happens. Because these are human experiences. These are human lives. You know, it's more than just honoring my badge or honoring you know, a pair of jump wings or a uniform or whatever. It's like you have to honor the people that are having this experience. These are human lives, and sometimes they're lives that come and go. In your last uh, talk, which I sat in, you read some of your poetry, and I just kept getting visions of the war poets in my mind. Mm -hmm. And by the war poets, I mean Rupert Brooke, Robert Graves, Siegfried Sassoon, Wilfred Owen. Wilfred Owen. Generally, English World War I, uh, not all veterans because some died, Mm -hmm. uh, but they made sense in the immediate moment of what had happened. Uh, some of the great novels of World War I came 10 or 15 years later right. when, when men had had, and it was mostly men, had the opportunity to reflect and process. But in the moment, they shared with us their thoughts and feelings. 
and it struck me how universal the medium of poetry is as you have chosen it. And I was also struck by uh, early on you talked about utilizing free verse and that in many ways that could be a short story. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you you uh, might have uh, broken the story, and you read several examples, and they may have been a, a paragraph or two, but they were a complete story within the context of your poetry. Would that be a fair assessment? I think so. I think as I as I went back and looked at my work, I mean, I, I just I wrote it as it needed to be written at the time, and I went back and I said, you know, yeah, this was this was a brief story. This was someone expounding upon something that they've that they've seen, and. Um, you know, I guess much in the way that like Dulce et Decorum Est Propo Patria More uh, was a, that uh, it was a short story of something that takes place in a matter of minutes, right? In a matter of minutes, in that poem, they're hit with chlorine gas and this guy dies, and they throw him on the truck and they keep going. But in that moment, you have this enormous experience, right? And so that's the thing that I think the, I'm trying to hit that with poetry, you have to have this massive experience, this universe of senses and everything taking place with these few words in this little space. The um, uh, precision you have utilized really uh, also struck me because it's exactly that. You're utilizing a very small amount of space. Uh, uh, When I write, it tends to be, it just spills out. Mm -hmm. And I'm a one draft kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Do you go through multiple drafts, or do you try to become more pre- precise, or do, is it looking at the word, are you then interpreting your feelings as you see them on the page, and you talked about not only getting it out, but then reinterpreting it as you read it? All right. so sometimes it's a matter of calling yourself on things like, you know, what language did I, so I'll write this line, say, so is that really the way I would see this? Is that the word that translates what I was trying, what I was feeling, or what he said. So in lots of cases, yeah, it's a matter of, I, I'll do drafts, cross this out, I have multiple notebooks going now. And then, part of my therapy too is I've got a, a buddy who, um, he's not a police officer, never been with the military, has no desire to be, <laughs> but he's useful in that way. He's an English major, he was an English major, and he's a writer also, and so I'll say, what do you get out of this poem? Do you see this, you know? And um, so it's part of part of the birth of the poem, the birth of the the birth and rebirth of the poet, right, each time, and the therapy that has to go along with the incident with whatever I'm talking about. Part of it is having being able to step outside and say to this person who wasn't there, what do you think of this? You know, how does this work? And um, it's just funny that you say that about the choice of words. I was sitting in a patrol car recently with a group of officers, like there were four of us in the car. It was late at night, we were on a special detail. And all of us are kind of moved on in our careers. One guy's been there for, was one of the guys in the car has been there for over 20 years. And as we're talking, everyone started kind of saying, talking about the awful things that they had seen and how those things cling with them. And um, I started to explain something that I'd seen and part of halfway through my story, one woman said, stop. I said, what? She said, you're make- I can see it. She said, this is because you write all that stuff. This is because you're a writer. It's like, I can see it, and I, I don't want to see it. <laughs> 
you talk uh, you talk about being a writer, but let me go back to one of the remarks you made about when you entered the academy and were an early uh, beat cop. Uh, I heard you call your say that the some of the other officers called you the professor. Right. And what's the professor going to do? And, and what's the professor doing here? In one of the YouTube uh, videos I watched of you doing poetry readings at book festivals in Baltimore, you said something along the lines of, uh, you know, they know I'm crazy. I'm just going to write, write some, <laughs> some poetry. How has uh, the how do you think the perception of you really coming from an outside uh, academic background been has evolved in the Baltimore Police Department? I think uh, I think I called the space out for myself. <laughs> I think um, you know I, I wasn't I think you know it was like well he's this middle class college boy because they knew I you know grew up in a middle class area of Philadelphia and I'm a prep school graduate and you know we talked about experiences and oh he didn't grow up in the hood he didn't grow up fist fighting every day he went to private school so he's gonna quit this pretty soon so when I didn't quit but I also didn't stop expressing myself as who I was I think they gained a certain degree of respect for the place I made for myself you know um, the fact that I you know was willing to go after things and you know triumph or fail but never stop I'd like to turn now to the part of your career where you're an instructor or lecturer in the, at the Baltimore Police Academy. Mm-hmm. And uh, your use of these humanities techniques, poetry, or any other uh, strategies strategies uh, to help teach cadets, I don't think it's – anyone would, who's been reading the news knows of the challenges the Baltimore Police Department has had. How do you think – or how are you trying to use some of the concepts that you write and talk about in your uh, teaching career, if I can call it that? Um, I think that, you know, I I tell my classes, some of the worst police in history have had some of the best equipment, some of the best training. You know, um, they've done a lot of the training you've done, but it's a question of why you are in uniform, why you are there and what you are serving. And for us, you know, our culture and I mean not not to get into a, a you know West versus other cultures thing but for those of us that come from a humanistic culture come from we often talk about the founders and we often talk about the Constitution and think like that and then looking at the enlightenment that gave us the Constitution looking at our background we need to constantly ask how do I engage with people where does humanism lie what are the ethics that guide the politics that guide what I do as a police officer? Um, policing in America, in the United States, is complex, and it should be, because we have to care about the individual, we have to care about rights, we have to care about the ethos of humanism. You know, I said to an officer, a trainee the other day, I said, if you really want this to be simple, you could go do it in North Korea. <laughs> you know? Just take the whole rights part out. <laughs> So I, I think a, a lot of the a lot of the well-founded complaints about police is a lack of humanism and a lack of introspection and introspection. So uh, is this type of approach that you're using at the Baltimore Police Academy is it being used in other police departments across America, at least in the academy level? I that I don't. I know that, you know, I came up with these ideas for us and our lesson plans for the BPD. Um, 
I've definitely seen different philosophers and different, um, you know, different philosophers, especially dealing with ethics, pop up in different places. I don't know how well developed it is in lots of them, but I don't know that literature necessarily is. But I have definitely seen ethics. You know, obviously, we're talking about the Greeks. Uh, I've seen some curricula where they talk about about Greek philosophy and things like that, very with some brevity. You know. You mentioned in, uh, I think, the remarks at lunch that you're working on a science fiction novel. I am. <laughs> and I think it's a fabulous forum to discuss many of the concepts you've talked about uh, as uh, in, w- within the realm of science fiction. But I was wondering if you might be able to give us a little tease about what you're trying to write about <laughs> sure. if you haven't finished it. Sure. Um, it's up to about 320 pages now, and I'm going back doing a reread. Um, it's, it's really about... Uh, the protection of a, the protection and perpetuation of a culture that's in crisis, and it's about um, these. I've always been struck by how libraries are attacked when a culture is under siege and books are burned and things like that. And so this is about the the protectors of these words, the protectors of the books, and um, as this as this culture comes into crisis, uh, these guardians of the books deciding what they need to do to keep the culture safe. One of the most important things to me was to have mostly, I, I, this, part of this is I'm writing this for my daughter. Um, it started off as a gift for my for my daughter. So it has mostly female central characters, mostly women solving problems, having conversations with other women about solving the problem. Um, so a big part of it is just I'm wanting my daughter to have a, a piece of fiction with strong female central characters, um, but yeah, it's it's mostly about the preservation of culture, and it's mostly about um, the importance of books, uh, the the incredible important not just it's good to read, but the existential nature of books. In answer to a question uh, at the lunch presentation about uh, good or great books um, that uh, accurately characterize police and policing. Uh, you brought up Fahrenheit 451, and I certainly understand that reference now when mm-hmm. uh, you talk about the book you're writing right. <laughs> in terms right. of protecting in books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detective Gillespie, unfortunately, we're near to the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on any of the topics you've touched about, uh, touched on today or sort of policing uh, and uh, poetically. Where mm-hmm. could they go? Uh, well, I've got uh, some of the books are – can be found at Barnes and Noble. Um, they're online. Um, I've got. Uh, I think I've got. Yeah, it's from Barnes and Noble. We've got a few different publishing houses. Lulu.com has one of them on the, on the later edition of, of Sancho Panza. Um, well, we'll link. Uh, we'll link to those in the show notes sure. as well. And there are some great YouTube's videos of you doing some poetry reading. So we'll link to those. And great. I wanted to uh, thank you for sitting down to take the time to visit with me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is Tom Fox. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Greetings and Felicitations. We're going to link to many of the resources, books, and poetry of Detective Ed Gillespie in the show notes, so check those out for more information. Also, I hope you'll join me for a special series November 15th on Greetings and Felicitations, where I take a deep dive into Lyme disease, the causes, some of the treatments, and how people suffering from this chronic disease can move forward with their lives. It's a fascinating five-part exploration in a special podcast series format. 
all of this on the Compliance Podcast Network.